This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Calculine. The Calculine is a free tool you can get by simply going to calculine.com. That's C-A-L-C-U-L-I-E-N.com, calculine.com. And it's a free tool that allows you to easily calculate the 45 and 90 day deadlines for notice to owners, liens, and bond claims. No more counting on your fingers to figure out when your notice to owner deadline is or when your lien deadline is. Just go to calculine.com, put in your information, and we'll send one to you for free in the mail. You'll get it in a few days. My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction attorney here in South Florida. And today we're going to talk about how to get a bonding company to pay you um, after you submit your notice of non-payment. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about what a payment bond claim is. We're going to talk about the bond claim deadlines to make sure everyone's on the same page because you have no claim against a bond unless you comply with all of the very specific deadlines to make that claim. Then we're going to talk about how to get paid after you make that bond claim. And of course, we'll answer any questions that you have at the end. So let's get right into it. What is a payment bond claim? So a payment bond is a, a device that secures a lienor's right to payment. As you know, you when you perform work in the state of Florida and you improve a piece of property, that improvement allows you to have a lien on the property, but there are ways for your lien to not be on the property, but to be on something else. And that something else is a surety bond. A surety bond is a financial instrument, typically backed by an insurance company. So think Liberty Mutual, Travelers, Hartford, CNA, and they issue this bond to keep the property free and clear of liens. So you still have rights to get paid, except instead of foreclosing on the property and selling the property to get paid uh, after you do the work, your recourse is to file your uh, claim documents. If they don't pay you, then you file a lawsuit. And when you win your lawsuit, the party that's going to pay you isn't going to be the sale of the property. It's going to be this financial instrument. So you'll get your check from Liberty Mutual or Travelers or Hartford. How do you know if a project is bonded? Well, a copy of the payment bond is supposed to be attached and referenced in the notice of commencement. The notice of commencement is the document that's prepared at the beginning of a project, signed by an owner, and recorded in the public record. Now, public projects, by the way, don't have notices of commencement, but a copy of the bond is still supposed to be recorded in the public record. Now, if you use the good folks at Sunray, to do your notices, they will ensure that if the job is bonded, that a copy of the notices go to the bonding company and the right notices go to the bonding company. So, uh, but if you wanted to know if the job is bonded, you can ask Sunray and they'll send you a copy of the bond or you can find the notice of commencement, which should either be posted at the job site. So it's required to be posted at the job site or you can find it recorded in the public records. So let's go over the bond deadlines so that you know what they are to make sure that if you 
uh, have a claim that you timely secure that claim. And I'm going to break these down into a series of groups. So the first into four specific categories broken down by uh, first private projects, and then we're going to talk about public projects. So within private bonded projects, okay, so think, um, you know, a large condo building, um, a large commercial building, a private hospital, a uh, charter school, for example, um, that may be a private project because it's not the Miami-Dade County School Board. It may be a charter school entity that's doing the work. Um, the, so the general rule is that, and so now we're going to break private projects into two categories. Um, so if you have a direct contract with the bonded contractor, so think you're the plumber to the GC, you're uh, a supplier that supplies product directly to the GC. So if you have a contract with the bonded prime contractor, again, so think direct subcontractors, you don't need to send that first notice, a notice to owner or notice to contractor. I strongly recommend that you do. Our advice is that you set up a process in your office that any job over a certain amount of money gets noticed automatically. So whether that's $100, $500, $5,000, and you just say, whenever we have a job and it's over this amount, or it could get over this amount, we're going to notice it, whether we have to or not. Um, we find the clients that come to us with mistakes is because they're trying to manage their notices. Well, we don't need a notice here, so we won't send it, but we need a notice here. So we do send it, and that's usually when mistakes happen. But uh, back to the rules. So on a private bonded project, if you have a direct contract with the bonded prime contractor, you don't need to send that first notice, the notice to owner. But you do need to send the notice of non-payment. That's a document that's signed and notarized. It has to be uh, served, mean, meaning received by the contractor and the bonding company, no later than 90 days from your last work or delivery of materials on the project. By the way, 90 days uh, includes all weekends and holidays in between that time. So if today is the last day I delivered product to the job site, tomorrow is day one. I count every day, weekend and holidays, all the way through 90. And the only time it moves uh, past 90 is if the 90th day happens to fall on a weekend or legal holiday. So if the 90th day was a Saturday, it would go to Sunday, which would go to Monday. And if, for example, Monday was a holiday, um, so there was no mail, it would go to Tuesday. Um, and again, it's not when you serve the notice of non-payment when you put it in the mail, it's actually when it's received by the other side. So don't wait till the 90th day to start this process. So the last thing you have to do is you have to file a lawsuit to sue the bonding company, a civil court case to sue the bonding company within one year from your last work or delivery of materials on the project. That's the absolute last day to bring this lawsuit. So those are the rules. If you are a sub or supplier to a GC on a private bonded project. So let's look at the next set of rules. We're staying with private jobs. But now what if you're a sub-subcontractor or a supplier to a subcontractor? So now we've moved down one tier. 
So we don't have a direct contract with the bonded contractor. We have a contract with the plumber. So maybe I'm a, a, a plumbing supply house and I'm selling product to the plumber who's on this private bonded job. Um, so if you do not have a contract with the bonded prime, so again, sub sub, then you do need to send that notice to owner slash notice to contractor no later than 45 days from your first work or delivery of materials on the project. So this is that notice I was telling you about where you should set up a process in your office to notice any job over a certain amount of money. So that's the first notice that needs to go out. By the way, the 45 days is the days has to be received. So you need to start this notice process well before, I would say at the very earliest point. So it can be after you sign a contract, um, even before you start work. So if I sign a contract today to do work on a project, I can serve my notice to owner today. I can't serve it before I sign a notice, of, uh, before I sign my contract, but I can uh, send that notice to owner even before I start work, but after I sign the contract. And it cannot be served any later than 45 days from your first work or delivery of materials. The second step, you need to serve that notice of non-payment that's that sworn notarized document no later than 90 days from your last work. And you have to file suit on the bond within one year from your last work or delivery of materials. Okay, so now we've covered the rules that apply to private bonded projects. Let's take a look uh, at the rules that apply to public projects. But I see I have one more thing to mention here. If you are a sub-subcontractor or a supplier to a subcontractor, do know that there may exist another bond out there that you could make a claim against, and that is the bond of the subcontractor. So let's assume I'm the general contractor on the project and I've issued a bond, and I wanna make sure that my sub performs. So again, I'm the GC, I've hired a plumber, I want to make sure that the plumber performs and pays their bill. So I'm going to require that that plumber give me a payment and performance bond. That's called a sub bond. Well, that sub bond could protect you as the sub subcontractor or the supplier to the subcontractor. Now that bond doesn't exist in the public records, um, just like unlike the one that I told you that exists for uh, general contractors that's recorded and attached to the notice of commencement. But this sub bond, if it does exist, um, could provide protection for you. And the way you get a copy of it is you can ask the sub, who may or may not give it to you, but if you ask the general contractor, they will surely give it to you. They would love for you to make a claim against the sub's bond and hopefully leave them out of it. So if you wanna know if a sub is bonded, you can always ask the general contractor to see if the sub has a bond on the job. So back to public bonded projects. So again, I've broken this down into the same two categories. So the first one is if you have a direct contract with the bonded prime contractor on a public job, so you're the subcontractor or supplier to the GC, you don't need to send that first notice to owner. Um, so that rule is similar to the rule that I told you for private projects. Interestingly, you also don't need to send the notice of non-payment. That's that document that has to get signed and notarized and served within 90 days on a private project. But on a public project, 
if you have a direct contract with the bonded general contractor, you don't need to send either the notice to owner or the notice of non-payment. Now, again, I recommend that you should send both. It just should be habit. Automatically, you're going to send these documents whether you need to or not. But just know that on a public bonded job, if you are a sub or a supplier to the GC, you don't need to send either one of those notices. The only thing you have to do is file a lawsuit within one year from your last work or delivery of materials on the project. Okay, so the last category. What if you are a sub-subcontractor or a supplier to a subcontractor on a public bonded project? So if you are one of those folks, now you need to send all of the notices. So you need to send that first notice, the notice to owner, no later than 45 days from your first work or delivery of materials. You also need to serve the notice of non-payment is that signed and notarized document within 90 days of your last work and delivery of materials. And you need to file that lawsuit within one year from your last work or delivery of materials. And as before, you may run into a situation in which the subcontractor issued its own bond and you may be able to make a claim against that bond. Um, so the way you're going to get a copy is you're going to ask the general contractor for a copy of the subcontractor's bond if one exists. Now, I know these rules are complicated. So we made a tool um, that we are happy to send to you for free. It's called the Lean-O-Matic. If you go to lean-o-matic.com, uh, you'll see a short video on how to use it. You can fill out a form with your address, your mailing address, and we will gladly mail it to you. And what this desk tool does is it goes through all of the rules for on what to file and when to file it so you don't miss any deadlines for private projects, public projects, bonded, non-bonded projects, Miller Act projects, those are federal projects, and DOT, Florida Department of Transportation projects. All of the rules are slightly different, but they're all covered in this desk tool that you can get for free. You can keep it on your desk. So if you're ever wondering, well, when do I have to serve that notice to owner? Does that notice of non-payment apply to me in this situation? You can pull up the Lean-O-Matic and you can uh, get the answers that you need. So just go to leanomatic.com. So how do you get paid? The first thing you have to understand in this process is that that notice of non-payment, that's that sworn and notarized document that you send no later than 90 days, only begins the process. Um, the claimant, that's you, will typically receive a letter asking for additional information from the surety. So when you send this notice of non-payment in, the surety gets it, and they typically send two letters out. One letter is this proof of claim form that they're gonna send to you. They're gonna say, thank you very much for your claim. We're investigating, please provide us these, this additional information, and they'll send you a proof of claim form. It'll ask you a whole bunch of questions. How much are you owed? Who do you have a contract with? Please send us backup documents of this, that, and the other thing. The other letter that they typically send out is to the bonded contractor, the person that issued the bond. And it their letter to their principal, the bonded contractor says, hey, we got this claim, tell us about it. 
there is no obligation in the state of Florida to respond to that proof of claim. You do not have to fill it out. You can if you want. We typically find that most sureties use that information to find reasons not to pay you, and it's less about reasons, uh, it's less about using that form in order to pay you. you. Again, you can fill it out, but when clients ask us what to do, we typically tell them there's no obligation to do it, and I'm gonna tell you next what our advice is in most instances. You have to understand how the surety relationship works to understand why when you send that notice of non-payment, you don't automatically get paid. Suretyship is not insurance. When you have insurance through GEICO or Progressive um, and you get in a car accident and you submit a claim to your insurance company, your insurance company is gonna adjust that claim, they write a check, and you may have to pay higher premiums later because of the claim, but they don't come back to you and say, well, you totaled your car, we wrote you a check for $50,000, please write us a check back for $50,000. That makes no sense. But suretyship, as I told you, is not insurance. So sureties will now, upon receipt of a claim, go back to the contractor that they issued the bond for, so the bonded prime contractor, and they're going to say, hey, we got this claim from the plumber, you better take care of it because if you don't take care of it and we do, we're going to come back to you, bonded contractor, to pay us. So if the surety has to write you a check for $50,000, they're going to go back to their bonded contractor, the GC, and ask that contractor to pay them $50,000. So most sureties are not that interested in paying you voluntarily unless the principal on the bond, typically the GC, agrees to pay you first. So the reason that you don't get paid automatically is because the surety is hoping or uh, trying to get the contractor to pay you so they don't have to pay you. Because if the surety pays you, they're gonna have to now chase the general contractor to get reimbursed. And that's not something that they wanna do. So here are a few things to keep in mind. One, watch out for the shortening of your claim period. There are procedural devices that an owner, contractor, and surety can use to shorten the time that you have to file that lawsuit. I told you you have one year to do it. That time can be shortened. So you may get a document in the mail called a notice of contest, um, or you may get a, a lawsuit in the mail uh, to shorten that time. And if you get any of those documents, what they're trying to do is shorten the time that you have to sue from one year down to either 60 days or 20 days. So that's the first thing to watch out for. Uh, don't assume that by submitting that notice of non-payment that you've perfected your rights. That's only the first step in the process. Um, and the time period to sue can be shortened. Uh, and if you don't sue on time, that one year, you will forever lose your rights on the bond claim. So the other thing we see happen is sureties lull you into a sense of security that they're doing something. So you may ping them every once in a while. They may tell you, well, we're investigating, we're waiting for documents, we'll get back to you. And before you know it, you realize that it's been a year since your last work. And what happens is that if it's been more than one year, since your last work on the project and you have not sued 
again, when I say sue, I mean a lawsuit in civil court against the surety within that one year, you will forever lose your rights against that surety bond. And sometimes we have clients that come to us and say, well, I've been going back and forth with this claim handler at the insurance company, and they keep telling me that they're going to get back to me and they keep asking me questions. And, and it's been, you know, 16 months since we were last on the job. And I tell them, you know what, unfortunately, you no longer have a claim. We've had some clients that have been strung along only to get to 13, 14, 15 months where they get a letter back from the surety and the surety writes a letter and says, we've finished our investigation. Your claim is now time barred um, and therefore denied. So don't think that the surety is on your side. They are not. So when are they going to pay you and what can you do to increase the likelihood of getting paid? I would recommend what I call the 60-60 the rule. No later than 60 days from your last work, you need to start the process of serving your notice of non-payment if it's required. Don't wait till the 80th day, 85th day, 88th day. Um, that's You're waiting too long. Things can go wrong. Um, documents may get lost in the mail. Don't forget, this has got to get served on them. So even if you send it FedEx, you know, what if the FedEx is delayed by one, two, three days? Um, so don't wait past 60 days to start the process. And ideally, you're putting this document in the mail to serve no later than about 70 days from your last work. Then for the next 60 days after you serve your notice of non-payment, you need to start hassling everyone to get paid. Our most successful clients that collect the most money are the ones that have an internal process to harass uh, the people that owe them money. Phone calls, emails, letters, showing up at people's offices, doing whatever you have to do to get paid. You should do that for the next 60 days. So that's the 60-60 rule. And then I would suggest that if you haven't been able to get much headway made in those uh, in that last 60-day period of you after you serve the notice of non-payment, don't delay any further. Submit your claim to a construction lawyer for collection. And our advice typically is, if you've done all of that and you still haven't been paid, we should file a lawsuit immediately. There's no sense waiting any longer to try to get paid. Now, you may decide that for business reasons, you want to wait. Maybe you have a, this is a small claim, maybe you're owed $20,000 and you've got a million dollar contract with the same people, so you want to wait. That's fine. That makes perfect sense. But unless you have a really good reason to wait, the idea that you're just going to wait for the sake of waiting in the hopes you get paid is not a very good strategy. And we typically see that as one that it reduces your chances of getting paid, not increases your chances of getting paid. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by MakeMeConditional.com. You sign lots of releases in order to get paid. And best practices suggest that you make every release conditioned on actually receiving that payment. How do you do that? By making the release conditional. Now, some releases are conditional when they're given to you, but in my experience, most are not. So you can make them conditional by adding conditional language. You can do that by handwriting it in every single time, or you can go to makemeconditional.com and we will provide for you for free a stamp 
that you can use that will stamp any release with conditional language so that you can simplify the process. So if you want your absolutely free Make Me Conditional stamp, just go to makemeconditional.com, fill in the information, and in a few days, you'll have your free stamp.